Just like the first disciples, teach us to pray should be eagerly and always on the lips of every follower of Jesus. I'm Luke Heisler. This is the Teach Us to Pray podcast. I've been taking another look at the ways I was taught to pray over the past year and a half or so. I'm wanting to continue and deepen that journey for myself and provide a kind of roadmap for others on the way. And so, this is a limited exploration through Christian prayer, where we'll take a look at the different marks of a prayerful life, talking with some friends about what it means to pray until we become prayer. In these conversations, we'll be trying to break prayer down to its most basic form, communion of the mind with God, learning together how to become people marked by the presence of God in both the secret place and the public square. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Today we are having a conversation about intercession and petition and the global church and the historic church and how approaching God to ask for things isn't bad, but it's not the only way to approach God and how um, pairing with God in vigorous conversation um, where we're asking him, why, why are you doing this? Do not do this. Um, is not such a bad thing. Um, My guest for this week is Dr. Ryan Butler. He is a professor here at the university that I go to, and he is a just a brilliant man. Um, He gives so many helpful insights, and um, this was a surprisingly practical conversation uh, based on um, sort of where I thought this was going to go. It it took a little bit of a different turn, so I'm really excited for you to hear this one. Um, Thanks for tuning in. I'm also excited about this episode. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, uh, today I have a, a guest that I'm pretty excited about on. We're going to talk about a lot of things, I think, probably. Um, but mainly our focus is going to be intercession and petition and all things approaching God on behalf of yourself and on behalf of others. <coughs> um, yeah, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. I guess, what do you do? You teach at AU. What do you do here? Um what do you like? What do you not like? Et cetera. Yeah. Uh, delighted to be on the uh, on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Luke. Uh, Ryan Butler, uh, and I uh, teach in the history department here at Anderson University and um, teach mostly the global or non-Western history courses. Uh, so a good range of Middle East and Africa and Asia, Latin America. Um, also teach a little bit in the honors program. Uh, which is great fun. Um, and then uh, outside of Anderson University, I serve as an assisting priest uh, both both at uh, Christ the Redeemer mm-hmm. Church in Pendleton and uh, the newly planted Church of the Ascension in uh, in Anderson here. Yeah, I had um, Chase on a couple, I don't know if it'll be a couple of episodes ago, a couple of times I recorded ago. Yeah. Um, I had Chase on and it was a great conversation. That's wonderful. A great guy. That's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I guess maybe for just some context, um, what's like your background with prayer and and kind of, I feel like everyone has a journey of how they've like arrived to sure. how they think about prayer. Um, and I am really fascinated by like everyone I've had on has been like really diverse mm-hmm. in those journeys, but also the 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 core thing at the center of it all is I still don't really know how to pray. That's right, um, yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess just share a little bit about that if you are comfortable. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, for me, and I would imagine that this is the case with most humans, it's reaching out, trying to know God, mm-hmm. trying, you, you sense this longing, this hunger in your soul and wanting to connect with God, uh, recognizing that prayer is sort of a form of dialogue mm-hmm. um, where you are communing uh, with God, trying to understand who he is, his desires, uh, and how that intersects with our own lives. Um, so I think that um, absolutely, just like every other person, there's the there's moments of desperation. Mm. Um, but I guess I think of prayer more um, in a larger way as one, a form of worship, of surrender, of submission, of placing yourself in a posture within the universe, orienting yourself Mm. um, towards God, Uh, because I'm naturally inclined to to move in a direction opposite of God. Mm. Um, So I think that's what excites me. That's what draws me, um, is just longing to be in conversation with the divine. Mm. Yeah, you talk about that, like, orientation in the universe. I like that language of, like, I forget which guest it was of mine, but we talked for quite a bit about prayer is a reorientation. It's a, it's an, I think Henry Nouwen talks about it's an arrival to home. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. An, an eternal arrival to home. Tim Mackey, um, sure. who I freaking love, that guy, um, he has this sermon, this great, great sermon that he shared at Bridgetown Church um, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, on Luke, uh, what is it, 23, um, where, what is that? You will be with me today in paradise. Yeah, that um, sounds right. Yeah. And he talks about, like, where, where is paradise? When is paradise? Sure. Um, what is paradise? And uh, as it relates to prayer, he talks about paradise as a person, of mm-hmm, course, mm-hmm. and not just any person, but the person that is revealed by scripture to be the perpetual now. Hmm. And I love that. Like this reorientation in time and space toward paradise, not as a place far off in the clouds, but as a, as a person within us and with us. Right. um, That is the capital P capital and perpetual now. That's right. um, Which is super cool. And yeah, 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 yeah. I I like that. And and along with that, I mean, I think, um, so um, an author that I love is Hans Urs von Balthasar, um, one of the, I think, great <clears throat> theologians of the 20th century. Uh, he wrote a book, Prayer, right? Oh. Uh, and it's, um, oh, it's just such a great book. But he talks in there about how uh, the divine life has neither sort of beginning or end. It's sort yeah. of this boundlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that prayer, to understand prayer, it is sort of fitting our finite life within that boundlessness, right? So Mm. that's another way of getting at this sort of act of orientation. Mm. Um, Or another author your your guest might appreciate that I love is Evelyn Underhill. Mm. Um, Yeah, I love her. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, She is... Yeah, you um, actually uh, mentioned her to me a couple of weeks ago at Church of the Ascension. Okay, okay. Um, I think this is the only time I came. Sure. Um, And I was like, huh. And I was doing a project on um, uh, womanist 
theology. Oh, right. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, we were just talking about liberation stuff. And then you mentioned her and I was like, oh, I got to check her out. Kind of a contem- female contemporary of Lewis. And That's I was right. like, oh, how can I not? That's right. That's and, right. And uh, I read a couple essays. I forget which ones, but. Okay. Really, really good stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So first woman granted university-wide <laughs> lecture status at Oxford. That's so cool. Big deal in yeah, that sense. She leads clergy retreats uh, for clergy in the mm-hmm. Church of England. Um, but she commonly uses this language of um, prayer as an act of orientation in the universe. Mm. Um, I think about it in terms of, and she might even use this analogy, I don't recall, but like a Chinese swing, if you can picture that, we reorient the center away from yeah, ourselves. Yeah. And in that process of reorienting the center away from ourselves, we are oriented towards God mm. um, or else it won't work. Like the swing will not work. Our lives will not work unless we're habitually in that process mm. of reorienting the center away from ourselves and centering it on God. Mm. Um, anyways, I think she has a lot to offer us in terms of, of, of recognizing what worship and what prayer is mm. in terms of sort of these spatial <laughs> big, big yeah, ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, prayer, I think, is a huge topic to try to tackle. Um, And I I mean, I'm missing from this series, I'm missing Thanksgiving, supplication, confession. Like there's just no way. Sure. I could do a whole series on intercession and petition. Yeah. Um, And and it's cool you mentioned that balance. I finished a while ago um, Contemplative Prayer by Merton. Yeah. And realized I never read the foreword, um, which is by a Buddhist monk. Yeah. And he talks about how in in a way, in some ways, uh, the Christian practice of contemplation yep. is the is really similar to the sort of like there's this word again reorienting of yep. oneself as you're thinking about like yin and yang and like the balance uh-huh. of the universe. Uh-huh. Um, and I just found that really that like um, interplay between uh, Buddhism and Christianity. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's right. That's it's right. like fairly common. I mean, leaving out a couple of major things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I think as it relates to prayer and as well, like prayerful living, um, mm-hmm. like externalizing your prayers, um, at least from what I was reading from the, the forward, I mean, he had really helpful insights mm-hmm. um, as a, a non-Christian who still really revere, reveres Jesus and, and his practices. That's right. Um, which is so weird to me. And that's another topic. But uh, yeah, I, so Sophie Grimaud, mm-hmm. who, you know, you've had her uh, in class before, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, I was talking with her the other day, and she was like, "If you do not like move through history with him about prayer, like what are you even doing?" So, <laughs> like, you're a history guy, sure. Um, you clearly like it enough. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just think this episode particularly is a helpful one to kind of contextualize ourselves in the midst of um, a larger narrative that will continue past. 2022 mm-hmm. and that has been going i mean we're, it's 2022 so right, for right. quite a while yes that's right. um and even even further back into there and thinking about some jewish tradition and um the prayers we read in the hebrew bible and kind of what is all about that um yep so yeah i guess like just go for it i mean sure. like I, <laughs> I know you probably came like you've got some things you you you'd love to talk about and just really in part two sure. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. audience. So, yeah. The history of prayer, ready, set, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there are, um, I'm trying to think of the easiest way to, to put this. Maybe we do start, as you suggested, with um, Jewish um, antecedents, Jewish mm-hmm. roots. Um, and I think here we have two main models that are worth um, considering. Um, 
One is oftentimes called Barakah prayer uh, mm. from Barak uh, to bless. Mm. Um, and this is the sort of prayer that it actually asks nothing of God um, and it speaks sort of indirectly about God. But this is the bedrock really of Jewish prayers. Mm. Um, so an example is, um, blessed be God who brought us out of okay. Egypt. Yeah. Um, or uh, Psalm 31. I was recently reading Psalm 31. Blessed be the Lord, uh, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me in that he brought me out of this besieged city, I think mm. is the context there. Um, blessed be God. Mm. And it it's rooted in remembrance, uh, anamnesis. Okay. Um, uh, so you remember what God has done, and, uh, and in that process of recounting what God has done, we bless him. Right. So mm-hmm. in the, in a sense, in this sense, it's objective. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the one in a moment that I'm going to describe is more subjective. Um, and as a prayer, Baraka prayer has sort of a creedal quality to mm-hmm. it. Um, you can understand it gives us a clue to how the church fathers uh, began to develop the creeds. Mm-hmm. When you think about um, this sort of nature of blessed be God who did this, this, yeah, and this. Right. Um, the other. Uh, main form of praying in, in uh, sort of Jewish roots is the Hodiah prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, Hodiah uh, coming from the word for thank. Uh, and this is one mm-hmm. where you're once again recounting history, but you are uh, addressing God directly. Mm-hmm. So when the psalmist says, to you, O God, you know, fill in the blank, um, that's what's going on. Um, so you're recounting history in order to ask God something. This is the intercession and petition mm-hmm. part of it, right? Uh, so so it, it's something I think we need to be more aware of in contemporary worship. Do we tie the attributes, uh, the qualities of God to his acts? Mm. I think too often times in the Western world we are um, detaching those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah. Um, but that is sort of the core of that sort of praying in the Jewish tradition. The Jewish model teaches us that it's healthy to ensure these are rooted, these are staked together. Um, and so, therefore, you see the subjective nature mm. of that. Um, I would say laments. You mentioned that mm-hmm. you you had an episode recently on laments. Laments would fall into this category Interesting. as okay. well. Yeah. Uh, I'm really fascinated by what's the context then of, if you know, like the sort of person-to-person, like this more lateral uh, blessing uh, of like – it, would that fall under barakah or because it's not in relation to God at all, it's not a type of prayer? When you're blessing another individual? Yeah, like, like when we see um, uh, Israel b- blessing all of his sons, right, at the end of the, oh, the Joseph episode. Or we see um, uh, Isaac blessing uh, Jacob and Esau. Sure, um, sure, yeah. Or even Abraham blessing Melchizedek and Abimelech and all of these people that come in contact with him? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, not being a Hebrew scholar, I don't know for sure, but yeah. I think it's the same word, the same Hebrew word, um, except the difference is, one, it's not a um, conversation with the divine or a blessing of the divine. Yeah. And it's not, if, if memory serves, those sorts of encounters of blessing are not based on sort of a recounting of the history, mm, okay. which plays a huge role yeah. in both the Barakat and the Hodaya forms of yeah. praying. So huh. I do think there's a little bit of a difference yeah. there. It's interesting, like, the idea, because I think we're so far removed from this, the idea of blessing God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's so weird to us, I think. Sure. Because we're like, well, God's the one who blesses. <laughs> that's right, um, that's right, yeah. And I think that instinct is good. yeah that God is the one who 
gives and takes away. Sure. Right. But um, I, I, it is thankfulness and it is worship. I think m- maybe at its core, it, that's super interesting that we've kind of lost that. And I wonder what that would look like today. Right. Anyways. And the fact that intercession is rooted into what God has already done, yeah. which I think Hodiah prayer really holds mm. out for us. The other thing I was going to mention real quickly is um, as the Christian tradition develops, two main forms of praying once again evolve. They're a little bit different, mm-hmm. um, but what scholars have tended to call um, cathedral praying and monastic praying. Mm. Um and this goes back to the days of the early church. Um, yeah. Really fascinating. Uh, if your listeners ever want to sort of see how this is playing out in the early church, Agaria, when she visits Jerusalem on a pilgrimage, fourth century, I believe, um, she's recording the prayers of the church there and what it oh, looks that's like. Cool. Um, th- this will be cathedral praying, which yeah. I'll describe in a moment. And then uh, another. Contempor- about the same time, fourth century, John Cassian yeah, uh, in Egypt, uh-huh. looking at monks in Egypt. He <clears throat> records a very different type of prayer, uh, which has come to be known as sort of monastic prayer. Yeah. Um, they, they're both non-Western in a uh-huh. sense, right? right We're right. talking about <clears throat> Palestine and, uh, and Egypt. But the basis of uh, cathedral praying is it's the prayer of the entire community. And so from that standpoint, it is oftentimes um, active, it's verbal, Mm -hmm. it is outward facing. Um, Monastic praying, on the other hand, is sort of this private praying, um, a lot of meditation on scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, It is silent. It is oftentimes inward facing in terms of purgation of the Mm -hmm. soul, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, We need both of those in our worship. I think, and so the Christian tradition holds holds those both up as tremendous examples. Yeah, it's a tension, and it's one that I mean, um, some of the most foundational people toward this sort of monastic prayer really struggled with, and I think kind of got wrong sometimes. Yeah. Like thinking of like um, uh, Evagrius Ponticus mm-hmm. or like Abba Moses, like uh, even oh. Mm, what is it? St. Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. In uh, Egypt. Yeah. Yep, yep. Like they're all doing something really great and really important and something honestly that I think more than cathedral pl- praying, we could really serve to learn a thing or two from today. Sure. That's right. Um, but they kind of, and I think in two parts, they're kind of writing at the same time. Um, Anonymous author of The Cloud of Unknowing yeah, yeah. and Brother Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a great book. Oh, yep. man. They're kind of capturing the same thing of this tension between an active life and a praying life or That's an right. active life and a contemplative life. Um, or the tension, I guess, to use our language, between cathedral praying and monastic praying. Right. Um, and it is a tension. And uh, they come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. The author of The Cloud of Unknowing says there comes a time for you to reject the active life. Mm. and to embrace the contemplative life. Mm -hmm. And then you will ascend to this dark cloud of unknowing where you can meet God in in his most pure form. Mm -hmm. Cool. Maybe don't do that. (laughs) Sure, Um, sure. (laughs) Great insights in that book, but that is not one of them, I don't think, is to reject sort of doing your prayers as you also pray them. Um, Because I think we'll touch on this, I'm sure, in a little bit, but a, a key tenet of intercession is actually also doing the thing like you can't intercede and then not do the thing yourself um and then brother lawrence is saying no no no. 
you you can and I think kind of you have to do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't separate them out. And mm-hmm. I think that's what Ignatius and Benedict are getting at with their rules mm-hmm. is like baking contemplative prayer into the physical world while you are washing dishes right. or whatever it is, right? Um, that's interesting that I'll have to check those out. What, yeah. what did you say they were? It was John Cassian and... Egeria. Egeria, E-G-E-R-I-A. She makes a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and cool. she's just recording what's going on hmm. with the worshiping community there. But that's where we get a lot of insight, I think, into yeah. intercession, specifically <clears throat> mm-hmm. intercession and petitions, because that happens in the cathedral form of praying. Mm. I would say that actually most Protestant churches are really heavy on monastic prayer. Hmm. Um, that might sort of catch us off guards, but sermons are a type of monastic prayer. Think about that, right? Because it's you're, you're, you're silent. The, the, the listener is silent. They're meditative. Oftentimes it's introspective and mm. we're looking. Um, perhaps the thing that's missing more than anything um, at least in most sort of lower church Protestant denominations, uh, those sorts of circles, is this outward facing, the gathered community interceding, praying on behalf right. of the world, praying yeah. on behalf of the government, praying on behalf of the poor, mm-hmm. praying on behalf of pastors, uh, people in various vocations, praying on behalf of universities. I don't know about you, but the setting I grew up in, that was not common for the gathered body to be lifting up their voice in one over those things. That's interesting because that makes like a lot of sense and there's a lot of clarity in that. And I'm like, whoa, kind of realizing that. But like, I think my tendency usually and now and before you said that is to be like the, the Protestant tradition specifically like the sort of mainstream evangelical mm-hmm, guys mm-hmm. like sure there's such a uh, an aversion even to things like at least when i was growing up i talked about this in my episode on um meditative prayer this mm-hmm. is the other guy yeah um um that like i grew up thinking meditation was like a sin oh <laughs> like not like <laughs> it wasn't actually taught to me ever okay but the fact that it shared language with Eastern religions, which surprise, Christianity is one of those things. Came from the Middle East, yes. Um, Made it a thing to not be trifled with. So Ah, meditation Mm -hmm. was emptying your mind. So I never had any context for Mm -hmm. contemplative prayer and responsible meditation on scripture, like that Haggah, that chewing of, of the word of God. Mm-hmm. So I always saw sort of as I've been moving through what it actually looks like to pray now, I've always seen evangelicalism as having an aversion to silence and solitude, to meditation, to the contemplative tradition. Oh, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe quite literally just because that's my experience. Um, and I'm learning a lot about that and how that's so formational. Mm. Yeah. through this project because I'm like, yeah, things will come up and I'm like, huh, our experiences are so different. Yeah, um, we were getting at like a really similar uh, kind of heart of experience, I guess is a way to verbalize that. I don't know. Sure, sure. Um, but that's really interesting that you say like, because I also see that. Uh-huh. I see this weirdness about not coming together to pray at all, really. Mm, yeah. Like maybe you've got one or two people praying like, 
at the beginning and then the end of, of the service. Um, yeah. But a, a communal collective prayer for your church, for yourself, for the other people. Maybe you're in little small groups of 10 or 15 or, or five yeah. um, in that group with you. That's right. Um, you're not paying attention mm-hmm. to that side of things. Um, and that's something, I mean, uh, Bridgetown Church in Portland, um, I think they're doing really cool stuff with a shift a shift away from Sunday mornings and a shift towards home, the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that started because of COVID and mm-hmm. they realized how powerful that, that way of doing church is. And they still have Sunday gatherings, et cetera, but uh, worship nights, the, the church stuff, right? Sure. But um, coming together to pray and eat and share all things, you know, X, yeah. X2 type stuff yeah. um, is super important. And I mean, intercession and petition that is intercession and petition. Um, I think yeah. maybe in the most active sense of those two words is is doing the Christian life alongside other Christians with real physical, spiritual, and emotional needs and wants. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if um, if the neglect of some of this uh, monastic and cathedral praying together um, mm. helps to explain um, – uh, sort of the rise of what's been called moralistic therapeutic deism yeah. um, by Christian Smith, the, the sociologist, and others. Um, but right at the core of that idea, um, you know, his claim is that this is colonizing Christianity in America and is actually supplanting it as the dominant mm. religion. Mm. And at the core of that is, you know, God is there to make me feel good about myself, to, to make me happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore I can just sort of reach out, throw up a request to him when my life's not going great, but I don't necessarily need to be in relationship. He doesn't even desire to be in relationship with me yeah. any other time. Um, I wonder if some of that is related to our neglect of the corporate, the gathered group mm. of people that are interceding on behalf of one another, that are talking to God, whether the times are great or not, mm. and just recognizing that God is someone who is... Um, an engaged God, right? Mm. He, he is after us. He is not uh, remote. He pursues relationship. Um, he is on the lookout for man, as Hans Urs von Balthasar liked to say. Mm. Um, that's a very different God than moralistic therapeutic yeah. deism, uh, which so many Americans, whether they acknowledge it or not, subscribe to. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, because I think, like, I, I, I'm trying to think of another spiritual practice that this happens with. Um, Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Like, the the strangeness that people feel around Sabbath because it is like so countered, I think how we're wired. But then once you do it and you get doing it, you're like, this is actually the purpose for which I was wired in in part is to, to do this once in a while. Um, right. Yep. And so I think like it's because like we were never taught, we were never discipled. Mm -hmm. We never asked to teach us to pray. Mm -hmm. Um, one maybe of Jesus, (laughs) two of our clergy that are, you know, above us, whatever tradition you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not all, I don't want to say fault. It's not all because of our failure to ask. It's also a failure to disciple on, on authority's part, et cetera. Like there's, there's a lot of factors I think that contribute to it, but I think it is a neglect of maybe just prayer at large. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that I've seen. And, and maybe this is a great time to, to talk about like the idea, the way you worded it, I think in our email exchange was 
of God as a vending machine. Yeah. Um, which I love. I always, I, I've always like thought of that, tried to think of that in the most helpful terms. And I think that's the best one because like, think about a vending machine. You like got something specific you want, mm-hmm. stick a quarter in, mm-hmm. maybe to you that's good works or eloquent words or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get that thing. Mm-hmm. But if the vending machine is a little moody that day, <laughs> it's going to hit the glass or the thing's not going to spin around all the way. Right. So you kind of got to wrestle it out of it. But yep. if you're a more timid person, maybe you'll just leave. <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, don't right. want to embarrass yourself. You can't get it. Yeah. Um, maybe sometimes you can't get it after wrestling. And uh-huh. so you're like, that is just exactly how we think of God, I think. Um, yeah. Especially in e- evangelical Protestantism. It's yep. like. God is a vending machine or a cosmic lottery ticket or a sure. insert analogy, right? Yes, yes. Um, and man, it's so harmful. And and I wonder, like, is there any insight historically that you can provide that like maybe contextualizes that and like how like how did we get here? Um, yeah. This seems so different than how the biblical authors were praying, than how Jesus was praying, how the early church was praying. Um, and so we've got these three groups that are foundational, formational including the son of God himself <laughs> yeah. um, to our prayer that we're kind of ignoring. Right. Um, because they're saying, not only are they not saying that, they're saying the opposite of that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what is going on yeah. with that? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I think the temptation towards a transactional God, as mm-hmm. opposed to a relational yeah. God, uh, what you're, what you're describing is um, not something incredibly new. It's mm-hmm. always been a temptation there. But I think there are, at least how I think about this, at least two really helpful orienting points. One is the Lord's Prayer itself, mm-hmm. right? When the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Um, the first half or so of it has nothing to do with petition or, or, yeah. or asking a God. It, it is our Father in heaven, holy uh-huh. is your name, right? The focus <clears throat> is completely being drawn up into heaven. Uh, you're not even thinking really about sort of the earthly things right. around mm-hmm. you. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, great book in this regard, Abba, once again by Evelyn mm-hmm. Underhill, which mm-hmm. draws out each of the elements of the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that act captures all of the facets of prayer, but it's in a good order, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 yeah. shapes, that gives you a posture before you even get to um, the very real needs mm-hmm. you have for daily bread or for whatever it might be. Yeah, you'll hear it in the the last episode I do on the the Lord's Prayer, but we spend a good bit of time talking about how Jesus is not giving us a script. Right, um, right. In a way, he is. There's power, I think, in those words, for sure. There's so much power in the... And this is not an insight of mine. It's my guest in that episode um, to literally repeating and praying the words that Jesus himself prayed. Sure. Um, and then also to unite yourself with church history um, and pray those words is just beyond powerful yeah um but it's a template that's sure it's yeah. a it's a yeah. it's an outline of things to hit in your prayer life sure um reverence to god um a sort of upward and also inward because of the indwelling of god in us uh, position where we can see god in us around us providing for us before we even get to, hey, God, we need this stuff. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it's also so communal. Um, he mentioned, I, I was kind of blown away by this. I've never thought about this. And it's because I actually started kind of thinking about this on Sunday because um, I went to an Anglican church for 
those who don't know on Sunday for the first time. Um, and I was like, huh, this is so different than what I'm used to. And like, sorry if you're like Baptist or whatever, so much better. (laughs) Um, but I, he said this on, on the podcast, uh, we recorded that episode yesterday. So that's why it's kind of weird for me to frame this up, Sure, but there's so, there's such rich implications in that the first word of that prayer is our mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. It's not my father in heaven. Right. It's our father in heaven. Yep. Um, and when we say that, we unite ourselves with Jesus, mm-hmm. with those eight or 10 or 12, who, however many of them were all around him at that point. Yep. Um, with the church fathers, with people throughout medieval church history. Mm-hmm all the way to 18th, 19th, 20th centuries. And then we get to today where there is so much division mm-hmm. and uh, conversations that are happening at my Baptist university are, are Catholics Christians, are Eastern Orthodox Christians, right. which is a wasted conversation. <laughs> um, when you realize that we're all praying the same, our father. Right. Um, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. asking right to tie it back then to intercession and petition, asking our father, give us this day, our daily bread. That's right. Um, and That's so right. on. And deliver us from evil, et cetera. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention real quick, Luke, is, um, uh, just the form of the collects, um, collect mm-hmm. is for those who might not be familiar with this terminology, um, <laughs> Uh, think of this as the gathering up of uh, the people and in particular the gathering up of the people's prayers, collecting, right? Mm-hmm. Hence collect as a noun, not a verb. Um, the prayers of the church. Um, but the way they're constructed, I would hold this out. This was so formative for my own spiritual life when I was encouraged to write my own collects mm. after I studied various collects in the church. Mm. Um, the place to start uh, is grab a book of common prayer. In the back of the book of common prayer, there's about 120 or so collects for everything under the sun. Oh yeah. But the way that the collects are constructed, and this goes deep into the roots of um, Christian history, is you begin, there's, there's certain elements you can always bank on. Um, you begin with an address or an invocation to God. Who is this God who has revealed himself to us? Um, if I'm praying for unity and peace, O God of peace. Mm-hmm. And then it's oftentimes followed up by some sort of um, modifier or description, particularly of how God has acted in history, right? So mm-hmm. you're recalling to mind salvation history mm-hmm. as you're praying. This is all happening before you even get to intercession. Yeah, right. Um, so, um, a, a, um, a, 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 a collect that I really appreciate, um, O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning in rest, we shall be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. Okay. Those words are giving a description of who this God is yeah. that I'm calling on. Um, it is not, again, sort of the, whatever you want to associate, sort of the, the Buddhist meditation mm-hmm. that, that's not um, sort of rooted in the incarnational God who has intersected with our history. No, this is a God who is very active in yeah. this world, and it's actually praying scripture back to him, which is another, I think, key facet of praying rightly, is oftentimes we are mirroring the speech we have been given by God 
back to him. Mm. And that is the dialogue, yeah. right? It's so rich when those words have been handed on to us and it allows us to really be in step spirit to spirit with the divine. So you have this address and then you have the descriptor and then you come to the ask, if you will, yeah, right? right. You, you ask for, the, for what it is. Um, o God of peace who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved in quietness and confidence mm. shall be our strength. Lift us by the might of your Holy Spirit to be in your presence, mm. right? Um, so there, there, there comes the petition, also oftentimes with an aspiration of what this will accomplish, right? I'm not just sort of mm. throwing up a, um, a prayer without a vision for how this is actually bringing glory to God. Yeah. And then it's folded together, submitted in the name of the triune God. Yeah. And you're resting your confidence, you're staking all of your confidence in that prayer, in that name. Yeah, the the intentional organization of specifically the the prayers within the Book of Common Prayer. My first introduction to this was actually not a, a any sort of Book of Common Prayer, whether Anglican, Presbyterian, whatever it is, or Book of Common Worship, or what have you. Yeah, it was um, the uh, Rabbit Rooms. Every moment holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was the first thing that I saw be beautiful and wildly theologically and and, and theologically like theo relationally, I guess, mm-hmm. significant um, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I I was and am just blown away by that book. Yeah. Um, how honest those prayers are how how it seems so silly mm-hmm. <laughs> to do a liturgy for keeping bees yeah or for the ritual of morning coffee which i use like almost every day um and it uh, that one particularly i really like because it's clearly drawing from uh saint francis's participation in the peace of god mm-hmm. um which is so cool yeah um and as I've started to use that and now started to use it in, the, in sort of the, the past month or so, the Book of Common Prayer, um, integrating those things into my prayer life throughout sort of my day, this rhythm that I've created, I talked mm-hmm. about with Chase, yeah. um, something happens. Mm-hmm. Like there there's something really important to that. And what you're saying about writing your own collect or your own liturgy um, Writing my own liturgies is maybe the, the the most, as a creative person, as a writing major, mm-hmm. someone who wants to do that with the rest of my life, writing my own liturgies is not only creatively life-giving to me, mm-hmm. it's spiritually life-giving to me. And, and genuinely, truly, aside from Sabbath, I think might be the most life-giving practice mm. in my spiritual life. Yeah. Um, because, and don't hear that your prayers need to be eloquent and well thought out. They don't. <laughs> not always. Um I'm saying that there's a, a a place for that and that just because you read the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. just because you read the keeping of bees every time you go out to your bee box or you read the ritual of morning coffee mm-hmm. as you're making your pour over mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's any less intimate. Mm-hmm. Just because something is rehearsed doesn't make it cheap. Yeah. Um, and I think we've lost that. And I think especially we've lost that in intercession and petition. Yeah. Because we feel like, rightfully so, this again, this instinct is right. Intercession and petition need to be wildly personal. Mm-hmm. And that's true. 
but something can be like pre-written yeah. <laughs> and personal at the same time. Um, as we see with the Lord's prayer, I mean, mm-hmm. what a personal prayer. Sure. Um, the Psalms, like the Psalter is just, I, I can't think of a, a piece of scripture truly that is more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, this quote has come up maybe in every episode now. It's a great one. Athanasius said that the whole of scripture, scripture speaks to us or at us. Mm-hmm. The Psalter, Psalms, he says, speaks for us. Hmm. Um, which is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so if you feel like you, you don't know how to intercede or, or do petition or whatever, um, go to the Psalter. Like there, right. there's so much rich, richness there. You don't have to try. You don't, that's something I'm realizing that prayer is not about. <laughs> it's not about trying. It's right. about, um, doing because, yep. I think the heart behind trying more often than the heart behind doing is one of achieving. Mm. The heart behind doing is is a heart of just communion. Yeah, that's right. Um, And if we're taking, as we are in this podcast, prayer to mean very simply communion of the mind with God, to look at Augustine's definition, Mm -hmm. um, then you need a heart of doing. That's right. Because if if communion is behind that, um, because I think if you can, if you try, you can fail. And I don't mm-hmm. think you can't fail no. in prayer. That's the point. That right. you do fail actually is, I think, part of the point. Sure. Um, so that's great. That's uh, great. What is the difference between intercession and petition? Yeah. Um, uh, this is not sort of some um, maybe perfect definition, but I think yeah. of um, a uh, intercession as on behalf of someone else, mm-hmm. whereas a petition is a sort of a broader category that includes intercession, but also uh, include it can include individual petitions. Um, it can be just sort of yeah. as I go into worship, um, Lord, would you draw my spirit up to where your spirit mm-hmm. is? Um, but uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Psalms a moment ago. Um, the Psalms are. Um, a key way of interceding, yeah. I think, in the world today. Because what, about a third of them or so, I think, are imprecatory psalms, are lament psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get uncomfortable with that sort of thing in America, or we just feel like that doesn't touch our lives, these these psalms of protest. And yet they're common in the life of Israel. Mm-hmm. This is what I oftentimes encourage people in our congregation is you come across a um, one of these psalms that you're like, this does, I'm praying this doesn't connect with my experience, um, pray it on behalf of people around the world mm. who are going through those things. You don't right. have famine right now. You don't have disease. Whatever it is, um, you don't feel like you're being persecuted for your faith. There are Christians around the world. Yeah. When that psalm comes up, um, that's the way you intercede for somebody else, mm-hmm. right? In the in the daily office, right? If the, the psalm assigned yep. for today that I am reading, that I am yeah. praying— feels like it doesn't touch me, it does touch your brother or sister, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's a key way into intercession. So I think of intercession, uh, again, as the global body, um, but also the local body yeah. of interceding of for their needs. Mm-hmm. And we are an intercessory people at, our, at the core of our calling as a priestly people. I mean, I think of uh, Genesis 18, right, where Abraham mm-hmm. is uh, pleading on behalf of the righteous minority, that he's hoping for in Sodom and Gomorrah. Think of how he approaches God. Um, And I think that gives us a model for intercession there, right? It is out of a shared penchant with God (coughs) for life, for righteous living, that he appeals 
are you not the God who is a just judge? Yeah. Will you not consider yeah, yeah. this? Right. Think about that as a model for intercession. At least that's mm. what I tell myself all the time. And I think it gives us a clue to how we enter into the act of intercession instead of just, Lord, please help, da, 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 which is good. Right. But, but it's more, I think. I'm glad you brought up Abraham because I didn't want to do it, but I love the Abrahamic narrative and been nerding out about it since like maybe June. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Abraham is both, uh, it's a, it's a, it's many things. It's a case study in beautiful, righteous, uh, just intercession and mm-hmm. petition. Mm-hmm. And it's also the typified like failing mm. of intercession and petition. I know I just said that you can't fail at prayer, <laughs> but, I, and this is for sure a minority opinion. My, like I see the near sacrifice of Isaac as a, a failure to intercede for his son, hmm. of, of Abraham to intercede. And this has been fleshed out by, fleshed out in me by a couple different authors. The most prominent um, was Abraham's Silence by R- J. Richard Middleton. Hmm. Um, incredible little book. Also, Robert Alter's translation and commentary of the Hebrew Bible hmm. um, was a great resource for that for me. But in looking at intercession and petition throughout the Hebrew Bible, specifically Job and um, the Psalms, mm-hmm. it seems that God wants us to intercede, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a stretch. It seems even more likely that God wants us to intercede for the righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, think of the psalmists interceding for themselves, doing petition. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good distinction that you made. Um, or uh, Job interceding for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Job's friends telling him not to do that. And then God saying, Job's friends, you really dropped the ball here. <laughs> Job is a righteous man. Um, Job also, I, I don't know about, I don't know how common this is, but I see the the mention of behemoth and Leviathan as, hey, Job, look at how big these guys' mouths are. <laughs> look at how much raw power these these two creatures that I've created have. Sure. That I've created, keeping Job in check, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look how hard it is for me to shut you up. Like, kudos to you, Job. You, you know that you're righteous. You're standing mm. on your behalf. And then I think of Moses on Sinai in Exodus, what is it, late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in there. Um, he comes back up. God is like, what are they doing down there? Mm. I'm scrapping the Israel project, starting over with you. Mm-hmm. And Moses, right out of the gate, not even, oh, God, you are so holy. God, that would make you a liar. Mm. And the freedom that we have in God's grace to approach him I in that sort of way, not to say this is getting into passability and impassibility. Mm-hmm. I tend to be an impassibility guy, but or a passability guy, a not an impassibility guy. Anyways, um, <clears throat> we are invited by God to anticipate his character mm. as a test. Mm-hmm. And I think intercession is that invitation. Mm. When we see injustice happening in the world around us and we don't intercede, 
whether we ag- agree with thinking now back to the the summer after COVID mm-hmm. first happened and being really truly repulsed by some of the reactions to the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. by people that I'm supposed to be joyful in calling them my brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. really discouraged me when it comes to, and, and really pointed out to me that we've lost a, a big piece of intercession. And I think moments like that is, you think of the biblical, the test, right? Like the theme throughout really Genesis and, and just the Torah um, and elsewhere. That's failing the test. That is missing a huge opportunity. Now, Middleton and Abraham's silence says Abraham failed the test. I don't know if I would go that far because the author of Hebrews commentating on Genesis 22 says, hey, <clears throat> Abraham had seen resurrection life in such a way that he knew that God could resurrect Isaac from the dead. So maybe he just missed an opportunity to if Abraham truly is a friend of God, that's how he is described in the Genesis narrative and elsewhere in the in the Old and New Testaments. He really, really was maybe missing out on a, on a key part of this person that he's best friends with mm-hmm. if he doesn't say, hey, child sacrifice doesn't sound like part of the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not that he said something and God said, no, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. It's that he didn't, Abraham's silence is, is Middleton's point, um, which is, there's a lot of stuff there that I don't really care about. It's some cool nerdy stuff, but mainly the idea that Genesis 18, when Abraham stops at 10, doesn't go down to one mm-hmm. or just say, Hey, give them another chance altogether, <clears throat> I think is less of an indication of his faith and more of an indication of his piety hmm. where he is he's he's beginning the the downtrend of failing to anticipate God's character. I just talked for so long. It's fine. Um yeah. Yeah, the Abrahamic narrative is fascinating and um I appreciate everything you said there. I guess the thing that really um and maybe this is going off and I'll start, I'll pull us back here in a moment. Um but the thing that always stands out to me when I encounter that text of scripture in conjunction with um, uh, the comments in Hebrews 11 Mm. is that living in this um, milieu of child sacrifice, as you said, right? Mm -hmm. There's a great term that I'm blanking on at the moment, but these various cultures, um, child sacrifice is a common way of devotion (laughs) to your God. And this is essentially an act of Yahweh's revelation to Abraham saying, I am not like these other gods. Yeah. But it took submission. It took obedience on his mm-hmm. part to follow through with it, to see God reveal himself mm-hmm. in this sort of climactic moment, yeah. um, regardless of what you sort of you make of it with regards to intercession. I think that is uh, incredible course. in terms of the self-revelation yeah. of God in the midst mm-hmm. of this uh society that just assumes that, yeah, of course you would go sacrifice Isaac. I, I do think when presented with the tension that, that the Akedah is, the binding of Isaac, the binding, like the only responsible answer is yes. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> like doesn't... Like if your question is, or, or if, if 
I guess if you're saying, well, it seems like this story is saying something about the sovereignty, the provision, whatever, mm-hmm. of God, the set apartness, the holiness of God, the glory of God in this, like you said, this cultural milieu of child sacrifice. But also, isn't that kind of a dick move a little bit to ask <laughs> Abraham to sacrifice his son? Um, the answer is yes to that whole thing, right? <laughs> to all of those clauses in there. Like, because I, I think, of course, if you believe that God is sovereign, he knows Abraham, he, what he what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hang up is, well, that's kind of cruel and, and, and he's toying with Abraham. And I guess, um, or... It has two outcomes. God provides a ram or Abraham anticipates God's character and God says, you're right. I am different. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well done. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it is, I, it's both and, I think, for sure. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where Middleton gets a little mil- militant okay. with his point, um, <laughs> which is fine, I uh-huh. guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Can I circle back to intercession just for a quick moment? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, it, I wanted to mention this before I forget. Um in our intercessions, right, we were mentioning praying the Psalms on mm-hmm. behalf of someone else, um, and I'm so glad you brought up the point of of God's character himself, right? Even as Jesus himself is interceding on behalf of us right yeah. now, right? Um, the ascension is theologically significant in many ways, but especially because the text of Scripture says that now he is at the right hand of God interceding Mm. for us. So we see this as sort of part of growing into the divine nature that Peter is talking about, our role as a priestly people interceding for others. Practically, really practically, um, the way I have seen this um, so helpfully, because um, I don't know about you, but I was not always formed with the greatest habits uh, with prayer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um, just the simple act of keeping a prayer journal, right, oh. not only helps you to actually consistently remember to pray for something instead of, you know, you see someone on the street, hey, would you pray for my son? He's going through this, and you might throw up a, queer, a prayer very quickly and then out of mind. No, no, you're committing to a relationship mm-hmm. as part of your priestly calling as the people of God. Um, and then maybe the even <clears throat> equally significant is you see God's faithfulness, mm. right? I love looking back at my prayer journal from decade, more than a decade ago now, mm. and seeing uh, just how God has addressed those sorts of things, how, yeah. he's, how he's been active uh-huh. in this world. It cuts against moralistic right. therapeutic yeah. deism. It literally does in, in the, yeah, in the best way. I, It's been a, a really cool week. I've seen a lot of like... Um, just in a, in a friendship, like a lot of the fruits of uh, redemptive rest, restoration. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I was thinking about this when you were talking about, oh, I forgot the name of it already, that sort of thankfulness, looking at history and, and being thankful um, and lifting those oh, things. Hodiah, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Um, <clears throat> I, and I was thinking like, wow, I, I did that the other day because I was like, Looking back through my journal after just this thing happened, and I was like, whoa, okay. Sure. And the only thing that I knew to do was to, like, quite literally go back to the thick of this, mm. which is sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and look at the words that I was praying and write new words. Um, I wrote new words over top of them. Wow. Because um, <laughs> it was written in pencil, and I wrote them in pen. Sure. Um, thanking God for his faithfulness Hmm. and 
and saying and surrendering that even had he not been faithful in the way that I wanted him to be, air quotes there, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if this didn't turn out how I wanted it to or expected it to or thought it might, God is still good and faithful. That's right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was like, I I keep a, a prayer journal. I'd never done that before. And... I will be integrating that into my, sure. into my practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, um, this, this occurs to me in the context of a, a prayer journal and just praying in general. I don't know if you've, this has come up on the show before, but um, the idea of lex credandi, lex arendi, that is to say the law of um, prayer shapes the law of belief. And this is why the yeah. stakes are so, uh-huh. so important, yeah. right, in terms of how we pray. Uh, following the form of a collect, right, where you're, recognizing God's qualities, you're tying it to his acts, Mm. you're centering yourself on him long Mm -hmm. before you even get to any petition or intercession, Um, that is shaping you, right? Oftentimes we learn about God um, and God's nature by praying, which is shocking and also really heartening at the same Mm -hmm. time. Not that we have to have all of our doctrine right before we can intercede or pray to God. Instead, oftentimes belief arises from the context of praying, and that's why it's really important to make sure that our praying is in a wholesome way. It's Mm -hmm. not just sort of this cosmic vending machine Mm -hmm. disposition. God just sort of dispensed these things and I'll be done with you, Mm -hmm. but rather it is rooting myself in his this deep, Mm. gracious, uh, wide character and then asking for the needs that I have. It's really funny you bring that up. Ryan, my guest for the Lord's Prayer episode that I recorded yesterday, brought that up. Okay, okay, great. <laughs> and the day before that, on on Wednesday, it's Friday, I recorded an episode with Dr. Fuller on lament, and he, it's Dr. Fuller, so we got on to Jamie Smith. Okay, sure. And um, sure. his idea, and and maybe I, maybe his most popular book, um, "You Are What You Love," mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that the things that we believe, like, don't work out always into the things that we do mm-hmm. because more often than not, it's the things that we do that work into what yep. we believe. Yep. Um, and I mentioned in the Lord's Prayer episode, Tish Harrison Warren has great insights on that um, as well. And and maybe if like the intellectualism of you are what you love is just difficult for you or like you're just not, I mean, it's not, it's not really that hard of a read. You should pick it up. But um, if you're more of a artistic, poetic person, like Tish Harrison Warren has uh, in Liturgy of the Ordinary, a really great, um, she moves through her entire day and talks about how each thing that you do in your day uh, forms you, mm-hmm. like the spirituality of losing your keys or getting stuck in traffic or eating a PB&J because <laughs> right. um, you have no other food in your fridge um, is really cool. So, yeah, yeah. that's funny. But, yeah, it's so true that I think the ways in which we pray really bleed out into the ways in which we live. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a segue. I mean, like, to close us out, I mean, I just looked at the time for the first time in, like, 25 minutes. It's We're coming up on an hour. Oh, wow. Uh, which is great. Like, great. Sure. Um, maybe to close us out, I, I think we we touched on it a few times but didn't really dive into it. The way that our, our intercessory prayers are, I don't want to say rendered useless or void, but but I'll use cheapened again if we're not doing them as well, right? If we're praying, I mentioned in, again, the Lord's Prayer episode, um, if we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but then we are like, um, we get frustrated with the immigrant family across the Mm -hmm. hall. 
right. or whatever it is, like um, cross to the other side of the street on our morning commute so we don't have to walk by the, the same homeless guy over and over again. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Like it's your job to usher in the eschaton through prayer, through through prayerful time in the secret place yep. and through prayerful time in the public square. That's right. Both are so important. And here we arrive again at monastic prayer, cathedral prayer, contemplative life, active life. Yep. Um, there's a tension there and it's both and. You mm-hmm. can't divorce them. Right. You have to have them together because one strengthens the other. Mm-hmm. Like they both strengthen each other, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like what do you see in in the value, maybe historically, scripturally, just your own insights, whatever, mm-hmm. to like doing the things that we pray? Yes. Um, it seems like a silly question, but it's like, or like a straightforward thing that would be like, mm-hmm. oh, of course there's value there. But then why don't we do it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Great. Um, great thoughts there. Um, and yes, how many times is it that, um, you know, I have been struck as I'm praying, you know, interceding for, would you just help this poor person, this needy person? And then realizing yeah. you're the one, uh-huh. Ryan, right here, yeah. number one is the guy to intervene, to answer this prayer. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes um, we become that, as you're saying, living into those prayers, mm. fulfills, completes those prayers, yeah. or else they are empty yeah. and they lead to the charges of hypocrisy that I think plague the yeah. American church yeah. today and plague churches down through the centuries. But I also, uh, I think I'd be remiss to say it does start with that uh, act of giving that speech back Mm -hmm. to God because I would not be even aware of that poor person or that needy person, that there is a need there if I wasn't communicating to God with that. And it's in God speaking back to me that I realize, oh, maybe I am part of the answer here that I would have never come to that realization. So I do think intercession is mirroring that speech back. Mm -hmm. It is this dialogue, Mm -hmm. but that extends into a life, a a posture, right, that that defines the attitude that you have towards society Mm -hmm. around you. Um, So I think you're absolutely right, and we need to think more about not divorcing sort of what we say Mm -hmm. to God in prayer from recognizing that prayer is life, right? Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the the ultimate meaning behind pray without ceasing. Yeah. What, what Paul says, I think it's in his letter to the Thessalonians. Mm. Um, so yes, amen, hearty amen to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I see the, I see the the mainly Baptist, evangelical, conservative aversion to, um, oh, what's his name, Rosenbush. Hmm. I don't know if I... Sort of the inceptor of the social gospel. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, Walter Rauschenbusch. Rauschenbusch. Yes. Yeah. Um, Professor Duxworth mentioned him in class on Monday, and I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And and some of the work of James Cone as well um, around how social justice relates to the gospel hmm. and how I think this is it. This is how social justice relates to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like if you're praying for poverty to be eradicated in the world, but you are thinking about buying your second car, third car, Mm -hmm. because you just want a new toy. Right. Um, Right. Or you're like buying the new iPhone every year, man. Like that's something that I'm tempted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
instead of buying someone lunch, even that might not financially need it. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a a graciousness to answer physical needs with our emotional and spiritual support Mm -hmm. that I think is lost when we think of like, okay, it's only equatable that like this person might not be able to come to AU next semester because of finances. Mm. Mm -hmm. I can't help them. Yes, you can. (laughs) You can be there. You can get coffee with them and pay. Mm -hmm. And that's not the important thing that's happening. The important thing that happened that's not that's happening is not that you're spending $3, $4 on their coffee. Mm-hmm. It's that you're spending an hour and a half, 2 hours. That's right. Hearing about them and helping their experience in the way that you can because all of us have an abundance of um loving kindness mm-hmm. because we know God. Mhm. And we're like stingy with it, weirdly, mm-hmm. which is so bonkers, crazy to me. Yep, yep. Um, and that's a continuity throughout history. The the mm. greatest poverty uh, that every human faces is a relational poverty. Mm. It's not to dis- discount socioeconomic poverty, which is a huge role. But um, whether you're looking at the early church through the medieval era to, mm-hmm. to today, right? It is that relational poverty that begins with mm-hmm. our the poverty in our relationship with God, mm-hmm. because we teach we treat yeah. Him as the vending machine, right? Uh-huh. Um, onto our relational poverty with others, and I think you're absolutely right to recognize this vertical relationship as the key to yeah getting rid of that relational poverty mm-hmm. horizontally. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, it was just. Re- Election day. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, and I'm not a huge politics guy. I used to be, and it makes me a, a horrible person that looks nothing like Jesus. So <laughs> I like quite literally renounced voting and like think of that what you will. I don't care. <laughs> That's my sure. conviction from, from God. Yeah. Um, I see how bankrupt the church has become in dealing with if you're the right, the left, mm-hmm. and if you're the left, the right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's funny to me that the, the left, uh, which I tend towards, I am from Massachusetts, <laughs> uh, embodies, uh, the, uh, the, I hate saying the left, whatever, certain circles mm-hmm. of, of the Christian church really put this emphasis on tolerance and on, on mm. Christian living, on doing intercession, mm-hmm. I think. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're intolerant to the people who don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then some other circles will m- miss the emphasis on those things um, and then turn around and say, oh, those other circles, they're actually being intolerant to us. Mm. But, and they're so dumb and stupid and their ideas are bad. And it's like, well, you're, you see what's happening, right? Like you're, right. you know? And so I do see like, I, I think in part because of what we were talking about sort of at the beginning of the episode of we don't, know how to do these different, these two kind of types of prayer Mm -hmm. that are historical. Um, And so now we don't know how to do that. There's a lot of different aspects of prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that have evolved from those. We don't know how to do any of those. We don't know how to interact with the, the quote unquote other side. Yeah. Even as they're in the church. Yeah. Um, Even as they're praying the same, our father, Mm -hmm. we don't know how to like do the thing that is Christian living with them because we don't pray for them. Hmm. We don't pray with them. Like, That's right. That's right. most powerful thing I've 
ever seen maybe um jonathan tremaine he has a he's a the founder and and i guess director or whatever of this nonprofit in portland called civil righteousness hmm. and they did like a prayer march sort of deal and went and prayed in in some city in some areas of the city that had um, been places of injustice. Um, and they have prayer hubs are all around Portland that are manned in um, in affiliation with twenty four seven prayer. Hmm. Uh, Pete Greg uh, Greg's um, organization that he has out of England, um, where there's someone there who, who will pray with people that are hurting that are coming to this this place in a city hmm. that has experienced injustice injustice at the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be going to the place where George Floyd died hmm. and, and, and praying there and, and even just grieving with people as right. prayer. Right. Um, but they, they went around to all these different places and there were people who probably were, were pretty upset that George Bloyd had died in the way that he died. Mm-hmm. And there were people who probably didn't really care that much mm-hmm. coming together, praying for the same thing, wow. balancing each other out. Mm-hmm. And I heard him talk about it in a podcast and it was just like, it was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. may- maybe we should be, not maybe, I say maybe to soften this a little bit. I think we should be less focused on systematizing God mm-hmm. and more focused on, on trying to know him individually, yes, of course, but also together with people that we would rather be able to dislike. Mm. And yeah. I'm, that's like speaking directly to the mirror right now, like right. looking right at myself saying that. Right. That is my, my biggest temptation is whether it's intellectual pride or um, like pride in my, my practice or whatever it is. Or, or political stuff mm-hmm. or, or someone that I just think is annoying, whatever, mm-hmm. like, well, too bad, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think intercession maybe more than, more than most and, and contemplation, I think as well, mm-hmm. do the work to, to get rid of that, to get right. rid of pride. That's right. Yeah. African Christians often say the Jesus in you is stronger than the Jesus in me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what you're getting at, right? Um, recognizing that when we pray together. Jesus is active in all of us, but mm-hmm. I need to be listening to the spirit that is alive in you, the spirit is talking to, um, and that really becomes mm-hmm. um, the way that intercession should operate. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on, um, yeah. Dr. Butler. This was great and uh, really fun. It's always super fun. I always go into it. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if this is going to work out. And then it's like just a great episode. Um through and through and uh, a fun conversation where just kind of, I think I said in my email to you that it's just an excuse for me to nerd out with people who know sure. a little more than me. Um, so yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much for listening. It's a pleasure um, to be here. Thanks yeah. so much. Um, but I'll see you next week with one of the episodes. I don't know which one I'm doing next. <laughs> You'll find out. Um, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teach Us to Pray podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with your friends. We hope this conversation was helpful to you and to your practice of prayer. If you missed any of the other ones, you can go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts.
I'll see you back here next week with a new guest and a new topic. Thanks again. Bye.